So, the big kickoff here at 96.4, Liffy Sound FM. How are we doing, Mr. Roy? Good, good. What's up? 19th of July. Yeah. What? Do you think it's significant or something? Is it? Is it your birthday or something? Is that when the Ice Age finished? <laughs> <laughs> Is there a joke here? Oh, God, here we go. Would that be the day the Ice Age ended? <laughs> no, Dougal. I can't be that precise about the Ice Age. <laughs> I look it up in the diary. July 19th. On this day, uh, Galway liberated from Indians. Mm-hmm. And, uh, marathon becomes Snickers. <laughs> A hat head, Ice Age ends. See, we're educational as well as <laughs> crap. Yeah. I knew the Ice Age finished then. <laughs> Golf started today? Who cares? I'm only joking. Yeah, the British Open started off today, four days uh, in the desert, as it looks like. Oh, yeah, it looks bad. It's, doesn't it? it's mad looking. Like uh, I, The greens I, are green anyway, but. And the golf course that I've seen so far is just yellow. Yeah. You just, except for the greens. There must yeah. be pouring unbelievable amount of water yeah. on, on the greens. But uh, yeah, Carnoustie looks. It, it looks like if you hit a drive, it would go on forever. Sergio Garcia did it on the, the very first shot I seen when I came home from work. Sergio Garcia on the 10th. Oh, yeah. um, it was close to 400 yards. He railed it down the middle and it must have ran about 100 yards. And they were like, Jesus, this is perfect. And then the second commentator was like, no, no. And he goes, well, watch. And it just kept going and going straight into the Barry Bourne. But um, being the drought that it is, there's little or no water in it. So the, some of the ball was just a little bit over. So, of course, he rolled up the the trousers and he gave it a go he got it out uh, still bogeyed anyway but yeah. good enough for him but no it was fascinating to watch but some of them uh, Kupka drove the first um, uh, John Ram 370 yard he literally carried it the whole way yeah. there's a little creek in front of it uh, on the third carried it the whole way it's just phenomenal with the warmer weather and obviously the run it's it's phenomenal stuff um, but yeah well, plenty we, plenty we, to go on we have Gary O'Neill who's coming on now after the uh, song that we have from Confessions of a Golf Addict he's going to come in and talk about the British Open and everything that's happened today and his uh, verdict on the first day's play and we also have Paul Casey on a little later on around about 20 to 10 what's he on for? He's going to talk about Gaelic because oh, uh, we were told we'd get thrown out if we didn't talk about Gaelic. Oh, I suppose we have to keep the, the cultures happy. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll be talking about Super 8s and all things uh, well, Gaelic football. I think we'll listen to a bit of Shotgun, will we? Homegrown alligator, see you later. Gotta hit the road, gotta hit the road. Sun and change in the atmosphere, architecture unfamiliar. I could get used to this. Time flies by in the yellow and green. Stick around and you'll see what I mean. There's a mountain. So, Mr. O'Neill is currently unavailable. Uh, so, we'll wait and see and we'll see if we get my 20 pass. <laughs> ah, he'll be here. He'll be ah, here. Yeah. He won't let us down. Um, so, basically, we might as well go with what we were going to do uh, in the middle part. Um, unfortunately, Rovers 
managed to get AAK Stockholm into extra time, but it wasn't to be. And that finished one all and two one on aggregate to AOK Stockholm. Um, superb result yesterday for or superb result this morning or this afternoon for Derry City. They won two one away, which is very impressive. It's a, but it's unfortunately it wasn't enough. Slightly disappointing, isn't it? Because yeah. To win away from home is, is unbelievable in yeah. any level. So Against uh, Dinamo Minsk. Yeah, it's a 2-0 game at home. And you know, it, didn't, it all stemmed from, remember the ticket allocation yeah. thing where they put the prices up and they didn't get a good crowd, there wasn't yeah. a good atmosphere. It all could have played into the, yeah. the hands of Minsk. So maybe the, the greedy owners might think twice the next time, you know. 100%. So uh, tell me how we're Dundalk getting on. They're currently playing uh, Lavadia Italian. They were 1-0 up before. Yeah, yeah it was, it's 2-1 two, two up with Michael Duffy scored an absolute fantastic watch body it. unbelievable I wouldn't say it's ex- it's not exactly Van Basten like Van Basten but, but a little bit it's not fair off yeah, it's not no, fair credit off. where credit's due so uh, yeah um, Patrick Hoban uh, as usual came up with a goal and then Michael Duffy with the absolute cracker and uh, a guy called Belco picked one up with two minutes uh, to go in the second or in the first half so at the moment it's 2-1 3-1 ag- aggregate they're looking good so we'll have so they'll join at Cork Cork are yeah. Cork going into the next round? Cork or are they going are into, into the third qualifying round. So they'll miss the next round. So they'll miss the next round. So hopefully they can get a decent draw. And, and I heard John Caulfield talk about yeah. the, the game the other day. And he says, listen, Warsaw are a good side. They play really good football. And he says, we don't come up against real yeah. good football in the League of 100%. Ireland. Should they be able to adjust? Maybe, yeah, maybe. But yeah. I, I sh- does it show what the League of Ireland is about? Would, I, like, I, I know what he's saying, but at the same time, listen. Get out there and roll your sleeves up and give it a go. That's what you're up against. But don't assume we lose. Asher, what what we expected? Like, was that his attitude the whole time? I'm not being overly critical of him, but Mm. it's just, it's a bit disappointing when you hear that because... This this is the Champions League football. You're obviously going to be up against mostly better options. It's and obvious. Professional, bury it. Yeah. It, it, it. Move on. Try and get your scalp. Like getting to the Champions League now is going to be near on impossible yeah. for a League of Ireland club yeah. unless they decide to go stupid with the owners in Galway or with Dundalk and blow the lot. Like it's not going to happen. Europa League consistently is the way to go. It's simple as that. So listen, enjoy it. If you can get one round, massive money. If you can go past another one, superb. That's really what it's about. Yeah. I think in the Champions League, in in the short term, if they can if they can sneak into the Europa League yeah. group stage, they make a mint. You know? they so that that's really the aim for them. You know, they they hope they can go a couple of rounds, but if they can get into that Europa League. It's huge for them. And Dundalk now, in fairness to them, they have a structure behind them now and, and yeah. a bit of weight as well f- yeah. from uh, investment. They can certainly push a little bit 100%. more for league for the, the Champions League. Diego Maradona, did you see him during the week? No. He is now the chairman of Dinamo Brest oh, in I Belarus. I did. I've seen him in that big yeah. tank thing. Looking a little bit sober. Yeah. In fairness. In, in all and smiling at the same yeah, time, uh, which is interesting. I'm going to move on because it's, it's a charade. It's, really, it's unfortunate it? now to see how, uh, how he's become. Now, he's always been that way, but he's just, he's gone to the extreme now. And, you know, anyway, that's that's him. And uh, Liverpool are getting ourselves, well, it looks like we're getting ourselves an Alison. Alison. Yeah. I was, it's all I was singing all day. Alison. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> Sorry about that, Gary. Gary's not happy. He's out in the background. <laughs> Stupid show. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, what do you think do you think uh, listen uh, oh, that's what I have here beside me does the fee mean that much nowadays because a lot of United fans are loving to turn the screw at the moment going oh, he said he never spent silly money and he's doing well in fairness he did say that of course and he did but he threw that out there and he was trying to if I had he was trying to slate the other teams for what way they were 100%. spending and he would never do that but and guess now what? he is doing it if so. I was bothered I could find 50 things that every manager said that's hypocritical yeah but everyone's going to say it so you have to allow people to, oh, no, to throw it back these, it doesn't matter do you know what it is deep down when it's coming from it's fair 
you know at the end of the day if Liverpool tighten I'd love in an ideal world regardless of money if we were to get a centre half I'd feel a little bit confident a little bit confident that we could be the challenger Um, I still think we have a bit to go in other positions see it depends on what this Keith and Fabinho are like if they're really decent all of a sudden our front six are decent yeah. like really solid yeah. it just what is Shakir? is he just a backup player um, I'm not overly excited about it I presume in Klopp's eyes it's a squad player for all the but if it's a, see in my eyes he's a one in every four games he turns it on Yeah, he's not consistent enough It's he's going to play the Saturday after a Champions League I think and League Cups and FA Cups and if he gets his finger out, obviously he could play more. It's up to him, I think. Yeah, and Daniel Sturridge is back as well. He so. wants to fight for his place, apparently. Yeah. Um, but he has to he has to play the... Uh, hello, Mr. Motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> he has to play uh, the Klopp way. He's, uh, like, he doesn't move, he doesn't run around, he doesn't chase, he doesn't hassle, he, doesn't, he sticks out like a sore thumb when he plays for Liverpool because, yeah. obviously, the way the lads run around all 11 together trying to get that ball back as quick as they can. So, uh, if he changes his attitude, maybe, but... You know, I, I can't see him sticking around for yeah. his own benefit. Well, seen Luke Shaw come back to training. It, he, he, anyone he else. looks like he got plastic surgery. Yeah, uh, they, they did a, they did a fitness a test. Of fat in him. Fitness test two days ago, and he hammered everyone in it. Yeah, he went off to some American Weird. superstar personal trainer and just he. I didn't notice him when they seen a picture on the the old clickbait uh, clickbait uh, sites. I didn't notice him. I didn't think it was him. I yeah. was. Uh, How did I know? I have to say. And yeah. then you look forward and it's like Jesus. Like there's not a pick on the guy. So listen. He was called out and now he can improve it. And in fairness, if he's the player he was, but with the fitness, he should easily dismantle uh, Ashley Young, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, he's been a, a, a like a bit like James Miller, just plugging a hole. Yeah. So good luck to him. Erlener, finally. I don't like cricket. We're getting our oh, test match in the Lords. Lords. Yeah. Yeah. Between the 24th and 27th of July of next year, it's a four day test. Um, just purely because of the calendar is chocker block they need a couple of days because they fair play to the English cricket board they managed to fit it in Ireland put in a request and uh, yeah it's happening just before the Ashes kicks off so that's and I believe there's going to be a return game oh by all accounts yeah they'll be coming to Malahoy so it's super stuff um, as we said before many many moons ago that I think they're not going to go away from the one day slash uh, 2020 stuff it's very much two or three maybe tests a year um, in the short term and see how it goes um, so yeah super stuff and it'll be pretty historic out in Lords a little bit of a backlash to the GAA in the last 24 hours with the fact that Porky Cueve wasn't opened for the Liam Miller charity match yeah and I was going to bring this up with uh, Paul later on yeah like is this and, and I think we still will bring it up but mm. is this a case of listen you need to get over it uh, we're past all this foreign yeah. game nonsense it's protocol basically you know and it's protocol because they want it to no, be protocol but it's protocol and it's the way it's been set in stone and that's the way it is and I understand that but yep. there, but there comes a point where there's emergency general meetings or that you can like they say they have to wait till February and it's just you've missed the boat unfortunately but at the end of the day at the end of September Porky Cueve's doing nothing yeah so somebody within the GAA could go do you know what let's put our hand across to another code and it's for a, a local cork man and it ticks all the boxes we might get our little slice not only a small slice or they mightn't even get a slice it might be just a case of give it out or whatever who's to say but apparently they've given up the facilities and all for the, for the bash afterwards and this that and the other but with the red tape that's the reason that's the ultimate reason what they're, yeah, what but they're again, going to is, is it not time for the GAA to just stop that 
stop closing gate doors for themselves because yeah. what actually it does here they don't lose out on them they're not going to lose players they're not going to lose people uh, volunteers with the, yeah. with the thing all they're going to do is lose a little little bit of respect from other people who say listen this is something that uh, it's a good thing it's to yeah. honour uh, uh, Cork only and who's, yeah. who's done great stuff down there for them and, and you know because yeah, by all accounts fun. I think Crow Park is the exception they can decide on yeah. what to do in Crow Park all year round everyone else has to go to this congress in February yeah. and that's where they're going no we can't do it and it just goes to show you like in every bloody organisation with the red tape and there's too many like you look at all the different county boards and then there's provincial boards and it just goes to show you and even football and local levels and all like that when all these cooks are in there you know you know the famous phrase no doubt somebody put a spanner in that works and you think the the head of the GA could have stepped up and said listen I don't care what anyone's thinking I'm going to live by the sword die by the sword I'll make the decision That's but exactly listen, what it is what think. it is yeah, exactly what it I is what think. it is so yeah they're missing out like only unfortunately it's going to be 7,000 it'll be a sellout and I was only I was looking at 40. The, I was looking at the GAA the other day and Claire and Wexford I believe were playing in Cork uh, yeah sure uh, and a couple of thousand it's only a few thousand uh, but too late Tony <laughs> I need you an hour ago to ring me <laughs> but the stadium I was just looking at it, it looks <laughs> unbelievable the stadium is unbelievable looking and to say how forty thousand or so, it, it would have been perfect for for what it was supposed to be. The, a, a little tribute, you know. To you know, we we have a show called Ultrasounds that's on between seven and nine before us, don't we? Think so. And yeah. Guy called what's the name? What's the presenter's name? Uh, Barry Bibson. <laughs> Yeah, well, apparently he's a Leeds fan. Anyway, he's a poster outside the window, so I suppose I better mention it just to get rid of him. Leeds won. Was it two 0 against Forest Green? Two one. Yeah, it was right. Two one. Two yeah. one. I, I, I big them up. That's useless. <laughs> anyway, two one. <laughs> Some nobody scored. Anyway, <laughs> super leads. But um, <laughs> and Newcastle. Newcastle were in town as well. Newcastle in town. They played Pats the other night. I know they yeah, played two matches today. Did you know? I seen, they played yeah. Wolves. And now they're in the middle of, of, a, yeah. of a, so another game against Walsall. The preseason is hotting up, and as you said, the transfer deadline is three de- over. Three weeks ago. Three weeks. Yeah. So they, they, they have to get their business done quickly now. Speaking you know? of business. Adam Rooney yeah Ginger forward plays up front for Aberdeen yeah did he get a cap for Ireland don't think so do you know where he's gone no Salford City oh he's gone to Salford from Aberdeen to Salford yeah. that's interesting they must be getting the money obviously the, the rumours on the Twitters and the Facebook page and all is about five grand a week well, then you'd be gone but by yeah. all accounts um, yeah the Aberdeen couldn't compete yeah. and uh, yeah gone down there maybe to be the star man for a couple of years to try and get them up a like obviously he could be this year could be the year that they get into the football league and then if he can get them up to the league one or championship before he finishes he's 30 or 31 the way it looks for Salford it looks like they're going to go that way anyhow and I think that's thinking about it right now that's a good addition yeah of course it is like that's what they're saying like look the fear factor the only bit of fear factor with some of the fans and the hardcore fans that are still there is like just as long as these guys don't get bored because they need them to stay in order for that club to sustain yeah. itself because if they go in the next five to ten years and they don't get to the Premier League that club's probably going to die because whoever comes in won't be able to keep up what has been maintained so yeah, yeah. it'll be interesting to watch that space yeah. um, if they can get up the table oh 100% um, I have a story here a Ray Parler story you can't, you can't get, go wrong with a Ray Parler but it's a golf one just to go in in, in, in is it Ray Parler talking you know what I mean mate yeah alright Gavna alright Gavna Here's Ray Paller talking about a bit of golf. Run for Pele. Yeah. So we used to play golf every Wednesday, especially in the summer, this time of year. 
So we'll all go over to the uh, Big Acres of Kitman and sometimes other players, Alex Meninga, play quite a bit. It, one day he said, Laz, do you mind if I come and play one week? So we get Dennis, no problem. Meet us two o'clock at L Street, five to two, no sign of Dennis Burkham. So all of a sudden, in, he, in comes his car. He gets out, he looks immaculate. And now we're getting worried on the sea. We're going, all again, oh, we're yeah. going to get, we're going to embarrass ourselves here. I think he's really good. He's going to hold him up. So he walks over his clubs and we say to him, right, Dennis, you're, you're, you're our guest today. You, you tee off first. So he hits his ball, and me and Vic Akers were like, hey, do you see that, Vic? I didn't see it. I've, I've lost it. And Dennis, all out of a sudden, went, it's in that bush there. He come off his tee, he went sp- straight right into a bush. Anyway, he's putting for 13 on the first hole. <laughs> Next hole, we got about eight, nine, <laughs> ten. He lost, uh, he lost 40 balls on the 16th hole. It's pitch black. I can't even see what I'm doing. Because <laughs> we're looking for balls and this, that, whatever. So right at the end of the round, we all shook, shake hands, and Dennis went, I really enjoyed that, lads. He's, <laughs> He shot, he shot 170 out. So we're not playing darts, Dennis. You know, this is golf. I thought, Love I'm going to get another divorce here. I keep getting them so late again. But I can't say this time. I wasn't in the pub. I was helping find Dennis Bergkamp's balls on the golf course. You're listening to Liffey Sound on 96.4 FM. Do you reckon they'll know we're winging it? Say that again? Do you reckon they'll know we're winging it? No, no, that, that, we're totally professional. Oh, we're back on. Uh, welcome to <laughs> Liffey Sound 96.4. This is the big kickoff. No, we're not winging it, but we can't. I, can't, I don't know Gary O'Neill's voice, so I can't do his impression. Unfortunately, we can't get a hold of him, so we're just going to have to make absolute nonsense well, for five minutes. To talk about <laughs> we've actually we've watched it today. And <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Kisner. Kevin Kisner, what is going on? Before we start, what the hell is going on with golf names? They're just getting jazzier and jazzier. I like Xander Z- Lombard. Like Xander <laughs> Lombard, Eric Van Ruyen, like there's Ches Reevy. There's if you go further down, mate, I, I haven't got it here. Like I don't know if he's even there this week, but there's Jamie Lum- Love Mark, Love Lady, but where is he? He's a Thai lad. I need to see it because his first name is Jazz, but you just ah uh, who Jazzy uh, Jeff. Oh, there's Shub- Shubank or Sharma. You know, I just love it. <laughs> Bo Hostler. Bo Hostler. It's Chesson Hadley. Who gets born Chesson? You've, you have, and what is wrong with the family? Huh? Why isn't someone sticking oh stick it up he for just, the kid? He looks like a Chesson. He's so beautiful. There, look, Bronson. Bronson Borgun. <laughs> what the hell is that? Is that the fellow underneath him? No, no. The Appy Barnwell. Oh, he's a legend. Right. No, Jazz, uh, I, I can't even give it a go. Right. But, uh, where's he gone? Bryson DeChambeau, another legend. Jeez, there's just too many. But, um, yeah, Kevin Kistner is leading the way with uh, on five under. Um, who else have we got there? If you scroll back up. Yes. So yes, it's a mixture and the top six is three Americans, well, four Americans and three South Africans. So they're kind of getting stuck in. We've got Kesson, Kevin Kisner, Kesson, Kesson. Kevin Kisner on five under, Tony Finau on four under. Tony Finau known for dislocating his ankle yeah. at the power three in the Masters. Then Xander Lombard and Eric Van Ruyen who, who just blew up at the Irish Open. So it was a guy in form, the three of them are on four. And then on three, we have Ryan Moore and Brendan Steele and Brandon Stone and then we have Rory McIlroy with many others at two under with the likes of John Ram. McIlroy today now one of my questions and I'm going to bring it up between ourselves McIlroy I listened to his interview afterwards on Sky Sports and he basically said he was more conservative than he thought he would be and in my head I went uh oh in my head that worries me a little bit because I think he needs to be a little bit conservative well, I, was looking I find when he gets bold he gets wild I was looking at Sky Sports earlier on today and yep. he teed off and he was on the tour de Forto and they were talking about we wanted McElroy to go for it and he said he was going to go for it and they actually said in the first four holes he did go for it so yep. unless he changed halfway yeah, through because basically around. I think what happened was he started to grip it and rip it and 
then one or two went a bit astray so he kind of put the driver back in the holster yeah. because he was getting himself into a bit of trouble um, his putter let him down once or twice um, for half decent birdie chances but I'd be happy with a two under because if that's his bad round happy days because Gary would have said the same thing he like whenever he comes to the majors unfortunately for McElroy he's always three out of four days he's the best player Yeah. but there's that one day and it's just how bad it is I'm kind of hoping today is it like he was very grand he'd done the job but when he said he was conservative, like right, Grant, just be just be careful. You still, it still links golf. It will punish you. Just be like Tiger never took the driver out at all today. Yeah. So talk about the course. It's Carnoustie. Carnoustie. It's arguably the best test in the links uh, cycle. Every two years, it's in St Andrews, yeah. and then it goes elsewhere. Next year, it's actually maybe it's every three years because is it next year? It's in Portrush. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Carnoustie, a great test, famous for Jean Van de Velde blowing up on the 18th and he goes into the bourne twice. <gasps> and pause there. Oh, All it's right. where I knew. See, <laughs> even winging it, we're in sync. You just don't get better than this. How many John, minutes have we killed? That's five minutes. We're doing well. John, John Van de Velde, for the first time that I have heard, I haven't heard him talk about this, but this his discussion on that on famous, the, the famous, blow up. famous blow up on the last hole uh, a long, long time ago to everybody as one day you know Polaris uh, got his shoes out and socks and, and, and went in there and, and, and walked it uh, uh, I, I guess you know mine was a little bit more dramatic in, in the way that it was a little more publicized it was on live TV bit. on the 18th of the biggest stage and the biggest golf tournament in the world so uh, so yes does it does it make me smile I, I do believe that you know people identify to you know to their sportsmen to their athlete that's what they want to be that's what they want to become but everybody went through that sooner or later whether whether it's water whether it's a bunker whether you hit three out of bounds on on 617 or 18 as of you leading your your monthly medal or, or you know or the club championship uh, and, and therefore you know people yeah people just realized and, and felt for me because of the same way that they feel for themselves I guess and and that's you know you you, you get on with it you you know you go to the you go to the bar you you you, you know you order uh, a glass of whatever you want like Peter Alice mentioned a long time ago and uh, brandy and brandy I wasn't gonna say it but you said it and 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 you move on and that's you know it's life it's a chapter of life you know if, if that's the toughest one I have to go through I'll take it Good old Jean van de Velde there. And I always remember the wife just smiling as if to say, who cares? It, it was almost stereotypical French. He, She's seen the beauty on, of, of the disaster. Yeah. And she knew, listen, who cares? We're going to be remembered forever. I wonder if Tink Cup came from, <laughs> from that film or from that uh, it might, might episode. Been, it might have been around the same time, but yeah, great movie. Yeah. Remember you bet him with just the, all, like the shovel and oh, the rake. Oh, the shovel. <laughs> yeah, it's a brilliant film, isn't <laughs> the it? The Longest Drive one was the greatest and he put it down the, the, the runway. Oh, the right. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. If you haven't seen Tink Cup. Watch Tink Cup. Oh, it's a great old movie. And uh, yeah, one stubborn mofo. But um, <laughs> I just want to bring up about you know remember McElroy when he was late for the Ryder Cup on yeah. the Sunday and yeah. he missed his time well spare time for poor old Jonathan Vegas his poor old uh, preparation for this Open did not go th- uh, uh, the way it planned he shot a 5 over 76 today after visa flight and club issues he managed oh, to yeah. arrive an hour before tee off and involved a helicopter ride from the airport to the golf co- course oh, yeah. a new set of clubs everything he, everything went wrong visas the lot Um so the <laughs> did he get his clubs? No, I think he, he he got here this morning and then had a helicopter ride and he landed at around six thirty a.m. and he was on in the morning. Oh. And uh, but the big issue was that the Air Canada decided to leave his clubs in Canada, so he had to get another set. Now, obviously, 
it wouldn't be exactly the same and I completely understand and it's got to be a disaster but all the top brands would be there and they'd know a spec and they'll try their best to get them as close as possible but yeah listen to think of it to shoot a 76 I wouldn't be too bad about it but unfortunately you may miss the cup but that's a nightmare yeah oh, it's a big time nightmare because you're, you're looking if you haven't won a major mm. you know when you're guaranteed in, in, the, in the other majors if you win it you're there every year yeah but all, all these other players are battling their arse off to try and get into the major each yeah. year oh we need to get so much you need to get a, win this tournament to get into it yeah so you know that, that could be his one and only time and I presume the ranking points are, nom- are almost double for a major yeah. so if he was to get into a top 20 it could put him right up in for the likes of the Amex like the world championships and yeah, all it that opens kind of up stuff. other yeah. tournaments yeah, yeah. Exactly. so it, it, it is it's an absolute um, disaster but what can he do it's a bit like uh, John Van de Velde you're just going to have to sit back and go take yeah. it on the chin and it's like Tiger do? today he very much played the way he he did when he was in his peak in the, in, in the Lynxes where he kept it tidy kept on the fairway and uh, was fairly solid and he was two under just cruising nicely nothing too spectacular just cruising along unfortunately then he just managed to hit a couple of bunkers that he got them out like one of them it was literally a full swing as hard as he would a driver and it was just to get it up over the stereotypical two or three foot lip in front of the bunker um, and left him Jesus 15-20 foot port unfortunately he didn't make it but he just got in to the hazards at the wrong time so he finished on level um, the best of the Irish obviously is McIlroy I think Dunn is level or is he one over Dunn is level I think level um, and then we have uh, Shane Lowry on three over and Mr. Harrington is on five, five over I think he was doing okay and he then was just two under at one yeah, stage and, and then, then just then blew the, it was the back nine too yeah it was the back nine got up. listen as much as the conditions are favourable in the sense that the warm weather you've still only got just go back down a second you still only have 31 guys level par or above like under par under so par. it just goes yeah. to show you it's still got a touch like it's rock solid mm. like I've seen Sergio say it was a 100 yard run from that drive where he put it into the Barry Bourne um, apparently the rough is not as thick as it should be because the grass is quite weak and McElroy said there was one or two places where he felt it was normal because the long stuff he said yeah it was brittle it was nothing yeah. So and there was a bit of grass underneath so he said you could actually work the ball a little bit so considering how tough it is it's perfect for them um, by all accounts the weather tomorrow it's to rain a little bit early mid-morning so it could soften up the greens a little bit for the guys coming out from midday onwards and you know yourself right. I think in the US Open this year once it rained a little bit Jesus the scores were unbelievable yeah, that, Saturday, that Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Yeah, the Saturday it was just a birdie fest so it could be exactly like that tomorrow so the guys out first thing in the morning unfortunately mightn't get the best weather oh, they, now, might, they, w- they might, might be in the weather yeah they mightn't get the wind by all accounts because the wind always but look it looks with the weather all week it's to be quite decent so it just all depends on the wind to be honest if it picks up it's a serious test um, and they all say it's arguably the best of it is like obviously Andrews has the prestige but apparently Carnoustie is is the one they all like to win like yeah, you know yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll wait and see well I have Luke List I got him a fiver <laughs> do you know who Luke List is Luke List I have him a 100 to 1 yep. and he has a 1 under par round today there's Luke look yeah guy told me this morning uh, Bernhard Langer was his little outsider because of the weather and the way the run and the, the fairways Langer's renowned for just being super straight al- yeah. down the fairways so he was like you're talking another 50 60 yards of length if he just keeps hitting the fairways and I think he's two over, over not but bad. he was slow and steady the whole way but obviously got caught in the back nine so obviously the back nine definitely seems to be the, the harder of the yeah. uh, of the two um, especially when you come to the last three holes are tough 
but you've got you've got I think it's last five holes yeah but once you go into a bunker but Speed was going great Spieth, as well he was 300 exactly he blew up as well didn't he, he yeah. I think he's but is he level or is he two, is he two no, over he's, he's uh, one over I think he yeah. uh, on the 15th he was t- three under on yeah. the 15th yeah and he went into uh, one of the greenside bunkers and he had to chip out sideways chipped out sideways went into heavy rough chipped onto the green and then two putted <laughs> And then he got two bogeys in the last two or second last and third last hole. So it shows you that it's there to bite you if you don't. Uh, listen, it, it, the weather being the way it was, it's it's smack bang ready to go. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, it's it's it's. I think it's off the tee is going to be the big one the whole week. If you can somehow tame your driver, because these guys love to grip it and rip it, but when it goes wrong, it goes really wrong. Yeah, that's it's. I'd say it's very much risk and reward. If you take the risk, you definitely get the reward. Like there's a couple of four hundred yarders that are almost in play if you can rail it down the middle. It's yeah, that. Yeah, that's yeah. how much it's a strange one. Like it really is a strange one. So, so if you were looking at it, who would you who would you go for for the the win on on Sunday? Um, Do you think Tiger has a chance? Tiger definitely has a chance. Like he's definitely like. To be honest, it, it, it's a funny one with the way the course is. Like if the weather, as I said, if the breeze pricks up and all that, like you're not going to see sixty sixes or sixty eights consistently. Four rounds of level could easily put you put you in this if you know what I mean. And if he has one or two half decent rounds, like he's he, any, everyone's smack bang in it from level up. I think yeah, I think that's it. If you're you level know. or under par, you have because no one ran away chance. with it today. But I just want to quickly mention Danny Willett he completely went off the radar after he won the Masters there three or four years ago and everyone's thinking oh did he just like the smell of his own you know what but one of the guys that I know who knows the game quite well in the job was saying apparently he was injured and he was trying to play through it instead of just because he wanted to strike where the iron's hot I'm a Masters champion let's go in ride the gravy train but apparently he was pushing through the injuries and that the for- that's why the form was not it there it was disastrous form it took him a long time like, it's like one of those people do you ever see those people who have a growth on their face <laughs> and then it, it, you, you kind of wonder why it's hanging off down the side of their ankle right. you know h- how long do you go on at the same thing before you realise I better get something done about this so Danny probably let it go a little bit too long because I did wonder about that too Yeah, um, but Again, he, great, great two under today. I think he was up. He might have been three under as well yeah, at he one was stage. Was up he? Around there. No, yeah, he was around, but um, yeah. So he's on two under. So it's great to see because he's been floating around on the front page yeah. for the last couple of weeks and for about a year, year and a half before the Masters win. I think he won the money list the year before, but he was consistently winning on the European Tour and he was in great form. Yeah. Um, won it and then it just all went. Yeah, Pete Tong. Well, hopefully he's back in, in yeah. the game now. Um, I'm trying to get on the RT website, right? Right. And it's apt. It's like it's four or five hours old because it's still waiting for the Dundalk result. I'm just trying to get the confirmation just to let people know out there because I'm sure there's masses out there who want to know how Dundalk got <laughs> on. And uh, good old trusty phone instead. Yeah, it finished 2-1. Dundalk have gone through 3-1 and aggregate. So That's great. We've got two... So they're in the second round. Two are left. And Cork are in Cork the third Cork are going to come in on the third. So we've still two to go. So we've two, two chances of getting into the group stage, which would be awesome. So we'll wait and see how that goes. And we'll watch this space over the next few weeks because I think they're going to go straight into it next week. Yeah, it has to because yeah. it's a continuous flow of games. Yeah, that's the way it is. Yeah, so that's what we have. Anyway, we're going to hopefully we'll, we'll we'll strike it lucky the second time around. We're going to go to an ad and we're going to come back and talk all things get. Well, Paul is because we don't know anything about it. <laughs> we do. <laughs> Coming up after this. You're listening to Liffy Sound on 96.4 FM. 
and welcome back to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. The GAA's controversial and much talked about Super 8 started over the weekend and as predicted the format divided opinion yet again. Joining us on the line to discuss the weekend's results and the format's potential future is in the game is former dub Paul Casey. Paul welcome to the big kickoff. Hey lad, how are you? Good, good Paul. Listen, before we get into the nitty gritty of it all, were you someone who was looking forward to the Super 8s? Probably was looking forward to it and I think um, the change of the format of the hurling probably whetted the appetite a bit for it as well because um, you know, the group stages in Leinster and Munster and the hurling were excellent. And, um, unfortunately then, you know, it's probably somewhat of an underwhelming uh, beginning weekend of the Super 8s but hopefully now with when the games go out to some of the, the county grounds and the provincial venues this weekend, things will hot up. Um, so, you know what, I, I suppose there, there was no really exciting matches at the weekend, but hopefully things will change now this weekend when it, it's winner bust for yeah. a lot of teams. Listen, do us a favour, because there's, there's some people out there who, who still haven't got the grips with the Super 8s. What is it all about? Why have they brought it in? And, and what is the structure? Because I know there's been a bit of debate over uh, home and away games. Well, I think initially what they want to do was try to give give some teams more more games in the in the latter stages of the championship, and that you know teams were were coming through the backdoor system were coming out of their province and they were playing a quarter final in a in a winner takes all game and this is what it gives it gives every team all the provincial winners and the teams that come through the qualifiers at least um, gives them at least three games yeah. and the chance to play a couple of games in their home ground a couple of away and then there was one neutral game which was nominated Co Park was nominated. As the uh, as the neutral venue, and I suppose Dublin were lucky that they played their home games. They've nominated Crow Park as their home venue, so they were lucky enough to get two games in Crow Park. Yeah, is it um, is it is it look? How much would only got paid off? Do you reckon? Yeah, you know, gee, look. Every, I think the, the main thing to, from the Crow Park point of view is that Crow Park is obviously going to ho- um, hold more more attendance figures. Hmm. Every team in the country will benefit from Crow Park getting more gate receipts. Um, and it's not just the, the teams involved. So, I mean, look, there is that financial el- element uh, to it for everybody. Um, and I suppose, look, it, it's, at the moment, it's, it's learned as, as it's the first year and they make mistakes or, or lessons will be learned from it. Yeah. And I think, look, we could see a shift next year where it would be uh, kind of, they could go to games in Port Leash or down to Turles, mm-hmm. down to Cork. Um, but look, we'll see how this year pans out. And That's it, because there was... If we weren't in it, I don't think any of the teams would be complaining about coming playing their, their neutral games in Crow Park. So yeah. we'll see how it pans out anyway for the rest of the year. So how how long is the Super 8 set in stone for? Is it for a couple of years trial period, or is it kind of... I think initially it is for a couple of years, and then they review it. But uh, generally, once the, it's the, the hard part, the hard part of getting these things... Uh, in place is getting them getting them set set up first of all. So generally, once these things happen, they they stay in place. Um, but look, ultimately, it's only eight counties are going to benefit from it. There's whatever 24, 24 other counties that um, were entered the championship at the start of the year that that are now gone and aren't playing any games. So maybe they'll look at a, at doing something similar to the the hurling structure where teams get games early on in the summer, you know, and then yeah. it becomes uh, one-off games later on. So. I suppose, look, the thing is we, it's, we're only one weekend, one round of games into it, and I think they have to give it a chance to see how it goes this year, see if there's a, be any minor tweaks next year, and then they'll review it and see has it been a success. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about the football. Dublin, we'll start off, of course, with Dublin. How did you think they fared out? I mean, they, they did what they wanted. It's, it's, 
it's all about picking up points in the groups and yeah. they, they did what they had to do. They got got into a good lead against Donegal and, and then they saw the game out and they were able to bring in, you know, fresh players. Um and I suppose Donegal couldn't get couldn't catch Dublin or couldn't even take the game to them, you know, so Dublin be happy there. They got through injury free. They've two points on the board and now they face a tasty challenge going up to Tyrone next weekend. Like most uh, teams probably don't have the luxury but have Dublin kind of got the luxury to do enough to get out of the group like compared to some that would be just going all out every game because every because there's no guarantee for them are Dublin are, are they one of the kind of only teams that have that luxury that could potentially can play within themselves a little bit and do enough they're lucky that they have in so far as that they have so much competition yeah. places on the team and everybody in jerseys number 1 to 15 know that if they don't perform they're going yeah. to be they're going to end up on the sideline and the chances are they won't get a starting jersey the next day, and that's the that's the best you know recipe for success for a team. You see, even cross soccer teams, Premiership, Champions mm. League, across other sports, it's it's the teams that you know have most competition within the squad. That that raises the standards and yeah. drives things on. And Dublin are in in that lucky to be in that position, and that didn't happen overnight. It's Jim Gavin has assembled a very strong squad. Uh, there's a lot of experience there, a lot of very exciting uh, young new talent that are coming in and they're chomping at the bit trying to get a starting place. So Dublin have, have been looking, they've, they've reaped the rewards of putting a lot of uh, investment in, in yeah. development squads and you know, underage structure over the, last, uh, over the last number of years. And, and it's up to other counties to catch up. Unfortunately, you, know, you can't expect Dublin just to come back into the, the pack to make it fair. Or it's, other no. counties have to have to catch up with them. Sean Kavanagh was on the Sunday game, which I watched the other night, and he was talking about the blanket <laughs> defence that Dublin are using. Uh, I think he's more or less bringing it up because everyone else was slating, like the Tyrone, Donegal, and all for using it. And he's kind of, I think he's kind of putting it out there that Dublin are no different. Uh, is it unfair to talk like that? Uh, I think so. I mean, like Dublin are putting up, they're putting up decent scores in their games. You know. Mm. Um, Nobody, I haven't heard too many people come out of Crow Park when Dublin have have uh, have played a game and said that it was very boring football. It kind of wasn't. It wasn't high score. They scored two fifteen last week against um, against Donegal. Donegal still scored sixteen points. Sixteen points will be close enough to you know to win many championship games. I mean, like that's that that wasn't. It's not mm. like it was eleven points to ten or. A very, uh, a very kind of blanket defence type games, and I mean, you look at Kerry Galway. I think after half an hour, twenty-five minutes, it was three points to two. So, I mean, look, Dublin, Dublin are, are doing what they have to do, and mm. it's, they found their, like, what they're doing has been successful. They've won numerous All Irelands now over the last uh, five, six years, and that they've done it by by playing good football, and that they've been complimented for playing good football. So, I mean, look. Everybody else tries to find faults in that, and, yeah. and over the last few years, it's been very difficult to find faults in Dublin's performance. So, look, some of these guys are clever as well, and Sean Cavanagh knows that the yeah. owner coming down the line, and he, he, he's clever enough that he'll be kind of you know making a couple of headlines like that and drawing a bit of attention onto Dublin. Um, and what it does, it, it deflects away from Tyrone and lets them to, to plan for Dublin's trip to Oma. But well, sure, not only not only that though. I suppose Dublin, it was it, they were playing Donegal, and we all remember the, the game a couple of years ago where how Donegal played that really did throw a spanner in the works against Dublin, and they just barely fell over the line. So I suppose they kind of docked their game a little bit last week. I think to counteract that kind of potential blanket defence. So I I wouldn't necessarily. I think it, yeah. I think it's a clever kind of remark. It is yeah. Looking at, as you say, like it's very hard to pick faults in the Dublin 
in the way Dublin are playing at the moment. And I mean, people saying they've been coming back to the pack that they haven't been mm. as good as they have. Look, they're doing what they're, they're doing. They're mm. still most people's tip for the All Ireland. And uh, ultimately, you know, they have to take it game by game. Um, we'll see how it pans out for the rest of the year. But hopefully, they get into a semi final and a final. And, and they'll do what they've done the last number of years, and that's going out trying to beat the opposition. And they've been able to do that by putting up big scores. So it's, it's not about keeping the opposition to nine points or ten points. They've gone out and they've put the opposition by healthy margin. So um, that's what they'll continue to do. Come on, Dublin. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Tyrone because they, they put up a big score against Roscommon. In fairness, Roscommon had 2-12 on the board. So what does that say about Tyrone? I suppose the last few years that Tyrone has, you know, people have been saying that Tyrone were trying to come up with a, a game plan and, and ironically enough a defensive um, a defensive plan to, to stop Dublin um, but they've shown that, that that's evolved a little bit as well and I think the, the fundamentals of build, building any successful team is to get your defence right build from the back um, I mean there's no point going out if you're scoring big scores and then you're, you're, you're conceding big scores as well I mean like generally that's not going to going to bring you success but Tyrone have built from the back and this year they've, they've probably moved the, the whole thing on a little bit and they've put up some big scores and, and they'll take great uh, comfort from the fact that they, they put up I think it was a 424 against yeah. Roscommon um, last weekend you know and so they, they have a lot of fire, firepower there but they also have you know good defensive players um, and they'll be looking to, to for both of those uh, facets of their game next weekend when Dublin go up to Omas. So it'll be an intriguing battle. Omas is not an easy place to, to go. And I think I think both teams will be relishing it. Dublin will have that chance to go out outside of Len- Crow Park, mm. outside of Leinster, and to test themselves. And I tell you, there's not too many tougher ground around the country to test yourselves than up in uh, Healy Park in Oma. Yes. How, how big is Oma? How big is a, a, a crown? Oh, is it about, I think it's about 10, 12,000. It's yeah. a nice little compact So it'll be full and <laughs> seven <laughs> yeah, the Full to the rafters and I'm sure to be... Jesus, cracking the trains up there. More Dublin, Dublin uh, supporters up there. But I think people must remember as well that Dublin supporters love getting on the road. They're they all want to very good at, at following the team, you know, around the country in the National League. And I think very often the Crow Park factor probably overshadows that that they have mm. some of the best supporters in the country in terms of hitting the road on a, on a Sunday afternoon during the National League and I mean no matter where you go be it Clarny, Oma up to Donegal Galway Dublin always bring a big support and I think look the, the fans will be relishing this and they have a, they always bring a good atmosphere um, to these provincial grounds and I think the Toronto people will, will be waiting to welcome them with open arms Just on the uh, the other group kind of a dark horse and not not necessarily a dark horse but with Galway I mean Galway finished Division 1 they finished top of Division 1 even though they lost the, the, the final to, to Dublin but they had a good win against Kerry are, are, are Kerry starting to take a, a backward step now or is are Galway taking no, a front step Kerry have a very young team and I mean mm. after the Munster Championship a lot, of, a lot of people were tipping them that they were the team ready to, to challenge Dublin but um, I mean they like, playing league football with young players is very different to playing championship football and we've probably seen with the way Tyrone beat Cork as well that Cork were very very poor and, and Kerry rightly dismantled them uh, down in Park Creeve um, and now look, they, they have a huge a huge task going up to Clonus and another very very difficult uh, ground to play in um, and it'll be the making or breaking of, of uh, Kerry this weekend Monaghan will fancy their chances winning a, a home game they have a very good record up in Clonus um, and again, the winners of that game 
will most likely join Galway in the in the All Ireland semi final. So that's again, it, make or break, yeah. Impact. Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah. I mean, this weekend is, I suppose. So they, do they say that what, is it the third round is they, they're kind of moving around in the, in the golf yeah. and masters and stuff like that I think this is the pivotal weekend in the in the Super 8 so this is where we get a good like there'll probably be two teams um, certain of their semi-final place after this weekend and then it'll be all to play for, for the following weekend but um, I think after this weekend we'll have a good a good idea of the four teams in the All Ireland semi final, who plays who will probably have to wait for the following weekend. But um, look, it, it's exciting, and I suppose it, again, it keeps everybody guessing. Um, but it should be a much better weekend of football this weekend compared to last. Being a guy who was in the panel yourself, Paul, and maybe potentially playing only every couple of weeks, does playing kind of consistently every week? Would you find a benefit in that, or because you know everyone's obsessed with yeah. resting and all that crack, but? All players want to want to to do is is you know play matches, yeah. and I think even from a training point of view, after you play a big championship game, even if it's a two week break, you kind of spend the next seven days in recovery mode, mm. and then the, the following seven days are the seven days into the lead into the next game, which is mm. again is kind of minding yourself and and getting ready. So I mean, to have those two weeks combined into one, I don't think any players will. Um, with mind and you look at the likes of Kenny and the Hurling mm. and all these teams have played week and week and put in massive massive performances um, look at the end of the day most of these fellas in their early 20s middle 20s yeah. have, you know so I mean they're well able to go out and play matches week on week and um, they're all very very uh, good fitness levels and in good physical condition and uh, yeah you're going to pick up one or two injuries along the way but um, I think players players will love the fact that they're playing every every mm. week, and suddenly then the, you're getting closer and closer to that end date in August as it is this year, early September to the All Ireland final. And there's nothing worse than waiting weeks uh, and weeks <laughs> for a championship game. So I think players won't mind the fact that they have to go out week after week. As we said, the first weekend was on last weekend, and attendances were down forty three percent on on last year's quarterfinals. I think Saturday at fifty three thousand, Sunday thirty thousand. There's probably a couple of reasons, you know, and maybe obviously the World Cup was on that weekend. Yeah. I suppose the the, the non existence of a sudden death elimination, so you're not straight yeah. out. That sort of people probably think I have another game to go to. But uh, earlier this month, the GAA president John Horan, who he predicted that fans would still show up to Croke Park. Is, is is that a little bit of ignorance or stubbornness? Do you think? I thought that. Look, in reality, fans did show up to Croke Park last week. It wasn't it wasn't an empty stadium. Um, but look, there, there's numerous numerous things to take into account. Middle of July, it's going to be holiday season, mm. and there's going to be the financial aspect of it as well. Unlike that, fans coming up from the likes of Kerry Galway, they know they're going to have their home games over the following two weeks. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there is when there is that that kind of the do or die type scenario. You know, they may be waiting, waiting for the next day, waiting for the next day. But I can, I, I really think that every ground this weekend will be packed to the rafters. Sure. Um, and I think overall, if you take the full attendances of all the Super Eight games, um, it will it will be far better than you know the, the quarter final weekends that usually take place the August Bank holiday. So, um, okay, I think look, television audiences are another thing that. Yeah, you get to see kind of two games as well. If you're if you're staying at home, you don't have to be worrying about getting in early either. So, um, okay, yeah, look, I think uh, people will show up, and if they played 
around the weekend, there'd still be people attending everyone. So, yeah. um, well, if there was ever a, week, a lot of fun if there was ever a weekend to go, it's definitely this weekend, as you said. This could, this could be the, the pivotal yeah, well, game. So, yeah, and I think so. And again, look, people might have said, look, we won't go into Crow Park um, next weekend. We'll save our money, go up to home. And I think, I think it's probably the fans need a greater stamina levels than the players going <laughs> to these games week after week because. Um, well, I know now as well, you know, it's 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 nearly more tiring going uh, <laughs> as a supporter than it is as a player, wherever it's going from. So um, I think, look, people will turn out this weekend and I think we're in for a great weekend of football. Yeah, no, re- really looking forward to seeing it. Um, just one last thing before we finish. Parky Keeve and Cork, they were asked to host the Liam Miller testimonial, which was torn down. What's your thoughts on that? And I know there's a sort of a, a protocol they have to go through. Sort of, we just talked about it earlier on, so sort of red tape and stuff like that. But yeah, like is there I, special I occasions that they could yeah, probably? Yeah, special occasion, and I think, I think I personally prefer to go to see a Liam Miller testimony in Park of Weaver than to go to see the likes of the Ned Sheeran or any of these folks. You know, <laughs> so I, I can't. It's, I suppose it's a bit old school. Um, I think 90% of, of uh, GA members and GA yeah. followers would have no problem with it. It's a rule that's there. Um, you know, we, we've seen some great games in Crow Park, soccer games and, and rugby games. Um, and I think these stadiums are some of the best uh, best stadiums in, in Europe, you know, and Crow Park is probably one of the best stadiums in the world. And I think every chance we get to showcase these stadiums, um, we should be taking it and look for, for an event like the Liam Miller testimonial I think mm. it's a no-brainer I think the Cork County Board would have absolutely no problem mm. um, there's some red tape there in terms of GA rules but I think hopefully that will all be sorted out uh, unfortunately it can be only sorted out once a year at Congress um, and again it, it's only it's only like uh, situations like this where the, it comes to light and I think that should be quickly rectified uh, at the next Congress um, it's yeah. a pity it's a shame because again it's a super stadium and I think every chance we get to showcase it they should Absolutely. be uh, they should be using it and look they put a lot of the the um you know not the, the premier premier league or even lower league soccer teams in england uh it's a shame with the facilities they have there um it's a shame that it's not available but um yeah. i just hope that i know that there'll be a massive uh, turnout in turner's cross and it's a very worthwhile uh, cause, God, and I hope yeah. to raise a lot of money. For yeah, absolutely. So, to finish up on the Super A3 list, who's going to get the runners-up medal this year in the All Ireland? Congrats! <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think Dublin will come out. I, I think Dublin will get out with a win against uh, Tyrone this weekend. Most likely, then come down to I'd imagine a Tyrone Donegal um, winner-takes-all game in the in the last weekend of the Super yeah. Eight. So, my tips for the. Um, my tips for the, the semi-finals will be a Dublin, uh, Kerry and a Galway um, Tyrone semi-final and I think it'll be Dublin and Galway in the final. Good old Galway, the tribesman. So, yeah, Galway, getting there. I mean, look, they, they're building building nicely and ironically enough, they have a Tyrone man in their backroom team, Paddy yeah. Pally, who seems to be doing a, a good job there. He has experience of winning the Tyrone, um, an All-Ireland with Tyrone. Um, they have a good uh, squad of players there, young players, um, very good footballers, and there's a good mix between good defence, and they also have the forwards that can change games as well. So I think Galway are probably the team to watch um, this year, the Dublin supporter, that they'll be the ones close to to, uh, to, link, to getting Dublin to hand over their All-Ireland crown. Never. 
So no, I don't think it will happen. <laughs> so yourself, are you involved with the Dublin women's panel this year? Are you? Yeah, helping out with the Dublin ladies. Yes, yeah, so we've uh, we've our first. Uh, it's not Super Eight. It's the first group stage uh, of the cha- of the All Ireland series. We play Cavan on Saturday up in Dunleer in County Loud, and then the following week we play Mayo yeah. in Roscommon. So um, hopefully we'll come through those two games, and that will bring us on to an All Ireland quarter final. But really enjoying it. It's a great bunch of girls. Um, equally as committed as any men's team I've ever been involved in, and um, you know I can see I've learned an awful lot from them, and um, really, really enjoying it. And hopefully we we'll have a a couple of uh, big games to come this year, and and to hold on to that uh, All Ireland title as well. Is there a big difference you've noticed between managing the ladies and being done involved with the men? Um, there's not like I suppose I'm only helping out really with yeah. the ladies. Mick Bowen is the manager; he's put a great structure in place and. I mean, from listening to the girls and talking to them, um, you know, like he's really made, kind of brought the thing on to, to almost like professional standard mm. level over the last uh, couple of years. Um, but just but these girls are out training collectively four times a week. Um, they're as committed as any any men's team. And I think the standard of ladies ladies football is rising all the time. Mm. And um, you know, like they had forty thousand in Crow Park in the finals last year. Um, be great to see that figure grow this year but um, and they're getting plenty of exposure as well before high profile men's games and I think it's only right because it's, it's the fastest growing sport in, in Europe I think ladies sport anyway so um, it's, uh, it's great to see and, and long may it continue So I just want to answer I want you to answer one more question because I was fascinated yeah. by this today when I was looking at, would you believe have you ever checked your Wikipedia page lately? I haven't, no, no. Let's just, it must be a few years old anyway, because this is the last two sentences, mate, so just relax, you're okay. Uh, <laughs> after you finished up in 2012, you got engaged to a long-term girlfriend the following month in November 2012. They plan on getting married at the end of 2013. Well, how how's your life gone? Is your life then? ended? Or <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. I wasn't. They wouldn't allow me to get engaged. With. No, that's I was. I was, I was <laughs> at a loose end after after hanging up the, the Dublin boots. I didn't know what to do with myself. So, so you did get married because like there's been married, nothing for the last uh, yeah, five years. Four years married now. That's <laughs> I made sure to have a two-year engagement just to make sure. I, was doing the right <laughs> I can sleep tonight now because I was. I was like, yeah. shit. Did he get married? What's going on? <laughs> a nine-month-old son as well. Ah, Super, brilliant. really. Yeah, uh, he's brought a new perspective to life. And, uh, they do. It's great. You know, everything go, everything changes, huh? Yeah, when you're playing football, you think it's the be-all and end-all, but far from it, you know. And I think that's the important thing for all these all these rows and arguments about where games are played. That's no it. Sport, yeah. well, listen, Paul. It's been. Uh, brilliant having you on again and you're a gent uh, as you always have been hopefully the next time we're talking uh, it's a Dublin it's final, final maybe. and if it's Galway Dublin then we'll uh, help you out with our Paddy Power yeah, back in we'll <laughs> that's, that's true that's true thanks very much Paul thanks lads talk all yeah. the best take care bye bye so there you have it that was Paul Casey fair play to him pleasure as always everybody hope you've enjoyed listening we'll anything to finish off with no we'll see you next week